With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Rangers Rabble special edition. I've got a special guest with me today, and that's the women's and girls football manager, Amy McDonald. How are you doing, Amy? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, no problem. Thanks for giving your time, especially when you're back training and looking for games in a couple of weeks. So I really appreciate you giving us this time. So a bit about yourself, Amy. Now you're an ex-player. Might seem a wee while ago now that you're you're so busy. A long but, time ago. Yeah, a, good, <laughs> a good few teams. Uh, you thirty caps for Scotland, which is great. So you were right at the top level. Uh, you for the time as first team manager at Rangers for 2017 to 2019, and you're also an licensed coach. So. You know, for someone that's still young, you've really, really done done a lot. Did you, uh, do you miss your football uh, playing days? Now, and obviously you moved into the other side and are now on the grass and coaching and managing, but do you miss the football days? I miss it. Um, it's just different, isn't it? I, you, you know, I used to love just showing up and uh, kicking a ball about like everyone else and it gave you an energy and enthusiasm and... Um, I made a lot of good friends through football as well that we still keep in touch with each other but when you move to the other side then it's really really different um, and you, for me I think it's gave me an appreciation for all the people and volunteers that gave up so much of their time to be, allow me the opportunity to, to play because uh, it was a lot of work and they done it for nothing um, whereas I'm in a really fortunate position now that I'm paid to do something I feel really passionately about so of course I mean do you, do you think you've drew on like you're saying like the experience you had at your own level of football obviously women's football was in a different state when you played as well so do you draw on that into the professional status you're in now yeah I think so it's gave me an appreciation I think for so many different aspects and I think if you reference back to when um, Dave King started talking about the women's and girls program at the AGMs. He references it being um, the unwanted stepchild of Rangers. Um, And during being part of that kind of, if you call it, the unwanted stepchild uh, era, Mm -hmm. you know, I was everything. I was 
I done the cat. Um, <laughs> I done the GPS. I was sports scientist. I had a lot of really positive, good uh, people around about me that really helped out, and the volunteers as well. But I think that if you have an experience in every aspect, that now you know we've went to the other side of that. That we've got nine full time staff. I can appreciate and understand their role, whether it be cat or sports science and how much energy and uh, they're much better better at it than I would ever be, to be honest. But um, it just gives you an insight into what what goes into every aspect of it. And it, it, it's really important that that all works together to be able to get the professional output on the other side of it. So that's it. For me, a good manager is, you know, willing to get their, their hands dirty, so to speak. So you've done all these tasks, so you've there's a certain, you know, respect for these people that are doing these jobs now from you, uh, from the top down? Yeah, absolutely, because I'm still the same, you know, I still yeah. want to get a huge delivery I can now and, you know, it, it's a massive undertaking for the guys to count it, you know, take stock, then to print it, to be able to kind of work out and uh, obviously we had a brief chat, like, you know, the girls' academy sizes change every year and what size fits them and what size people think will fit them. And then it, it changes about 40 times, you know, just when you think you've managed to crack it, then you need, you need to recount. So definitely from that point of view, it's, um, yeah, it's really helped me, I think, grow and develop to be able to have that experience. Good, excellent. I remember Kip, Kip uh, handing out day when my girl was in the academy and it would take hours of picking up, putting joggy bottoms on, trying them on and taking them off. So <laughs> I, I think everyone like yourself probably gets into football to play and then coach and you don't take this into consideration. So it's good that you know you've had that experience and hopefully you can help the guys that are, and the girls that are doing the jobs at the moment to do mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So your role's evolved over the years. You know, you've been there since for a, for a little while now, but you're now Women and Girls Football Manager. What does that job actually entail, Amy? Um, still a, a bit of everything, if I'm honest. I think that um, sometimes, depending on who you're speaking to at the club, it almost becomes like a, a head of women's and girls football. So overseeing every aspect of it from administration to recruitment to training sessions and uh, being able to support the guys that coach in at the first team and give them an outsider's perspective. Oh, good. Um, to be able to just... Everything, to be honest, um, I think the problem is when you work in isolation for so many years, a lot of the stuff that now people are paid to do at the club uh, for a long, long while, a lot of the information lived in my very small brain. <laughs> um, so it's taken us a while for them to be able to unpick that because what was normal for me Actually, girls and women's football, as you know, is, is quite complicated because we go across yeah. maybe um, two or three different associations. So it, it, it wasn't easy and it's not been easy for them. Um, furthermore, if you add that we just got all the staff in and four days later COVID hit, then... Yeah, so it's been a real it's been a real journey, but everything to be honest, um, scouting and recruitment, as I say, like every aspect of it, administration, uh, supporting with the youth academy, probably more strategic now than the doing, but I'm not afraid to do as well. I'm happy to help. So that was my main question. I'm coming from a coach's point of view. Do you get a lot of time on the grass coaching? Because that's obviously in your blood. Yeah, 
Um, not so much coaching now I do. Well, I have done in the past kind of few months, given the, the circumstance when the girls' academy has been back. So I've been out and about a bit more, um, more kind of observation now than delivery. Um, and I think I miss it, but at the same time, I feel that I can add value because of my experience and um, sometimes it's really useful when uh, you've got someone that's just kind of sitting on the outside but can very clearly see the dynamic in the inside. So um, I don't know, Some get sometimes the guys will probably say to me, I help, I'm a big help, and then other times they probably <laughs> think I'm a big hinder. So. <laughs> uh, I suppose your experience and you know, you've played for Scotland, you've had multiple teams, I mean, do you feel like you know the odd word in a coach's ear, you know, is beneficial from the outside? Because sometimes when you're coaching a drill, you know, you're you're involved in that drill, you can't see it. So surely that benefits the coaches that are there. Yeah, I think that we're like as a coach, and obviously I know that you you were talking about that. We're our own worst critics. Like mm. you know, I don't know how many times I've come off a pitch and I've thought that was absolutely terrible, and then I've said <laughs> to the players like. How was that session? They were like, oh, it was amazing. We thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, no right or reason to it sometimes, isn't there? No, and I think that that's the thing as well. So, And I think it, it, it just becomes, actually, it's more about managing people and building relationships than it is about your overall, like, obviously knowledge is important because the women's game, uh, is the growth has been exponential in it, but... It's just sometimes about managing the players, but sometimes about managing parents and their expectations as well. Um, and, and being able to kind of see it from a player's perspective, which I'm fortunate to have that experience. Um, but I think that it's just a kind of, it's everything. It's just life experience, isn't it? Yeah. I've done everything. I've probably made every mistake that there is possible to make. I've been too nice. I've been too hard. I've been a uh, coach too much in sessions. I've coached too little in sessions. I've been too enthusiastic at the side of the pitch. I've been not enthusiastic enough. Like everything <laughs> that there could be, you know. And I think that that's the thing. There's not a magic form formula to it to be good and effective. No, I think yeah. the way I look at it is if your your players are happy and they're enjoying it, you're, you're kind of doing it right. So if you can see in their faces that, you know, something's, they're a wee bit upset or the drill's too slow, then you can kind of react to that. And it's about reacting to situations. I see that. Now, what I'm hearing is, is you're really invested and I'm loving that. Like, obviously, you've 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 progressed through the club and you've got a, a, a good role now that's high up in the, the women's department. But are you really involved like that much granular level with parents and stuff? It's, it's great to hear if you are. I still like to keep in touch with them and I still see them. Obviously, the past year has been really restricted, but for pretty much like, um, I would say the best part of six, seven months, um, when we didn't have an academy manager in, it was me that was doing the Zooms and we were doing uh, some some parent guidance in terms of that as well. Like, you know, what, what, what it is to be an elite player now, because it's very different um, from when I played. You know, I just used to be out in the streets. Um, and uh, kicking a ball about but now it's about nutrition and I think there's been a lot of growth in terms of female athletes recently as well which we try and communicate to parents there's a it, it's called reds now but it used to be like the female athlete triad um, which is like energy defici deficiency through a lot of girls have a calorie deficit because they're really worried about how they look so you'll often hear about girls and women talk about 
I don't want to eat carbohydrates, for example, because it means that I'll be fat and I'll put weight on. But that's exactly what you need as an athlete, whether it be a football player, netball, gymnastics, anything. And it's trying to be able to educate. So I've done a lot of that. I would say that since Kevin's came in, Kevin Murphy, our academy yeah, manager, slight backseat, but still in about it because I don't think you can ever manage something or have an overview of something if you never see it. Um, so still like to be about the academy sessions and, and the coaches and stuff because I just like being about people, if I'm honest. I like getting their feedback and um, good, bad or indifferent because they're the ones that are experiencing it on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. Yeah, I mean, you have to live and breathe it, don't you? Like if you're, you know, you're mm-hmm. trying to ask people to give your, their all for you on a pitch or, or not on a pitch for the coach's sake, but you need to do the same from the top to the bottom. And I can see that with the men's department as well. You know, Gerard lives and breathes every player and, you know, you kind of have to do the same as well as Malky and, and the rest that they filter that down. Now, you mentioned Kevin Murphy now. I knew him because he was the first person that sort of brought my daughter in back when she was really young. Mm-hmm. And, and he left to go to kind of Pastors New and now he's came back to, to the club. Do you see that as a sort of progression of Rangers that we can now uh, attract people of Kevin's calibre back to back to the club? Yeah, I think Kevin's great because um, if I was the unwanted stepsister that lived under the stairs, I think he was probably out in a shed when he was first at the club. You know, that's how it felt to him because of the journey at Rangers. And I think that even for him, the growth of the programme, the ambition... Uh, the expectation um, because he's a really driven professional as well like obviously he went down to Man City to be technical director but something that's really important for us is balance and Kevin really offered us that because for anyone that knows uh, he's got huge experience in managing and developing players uh, both albeit at Rangers and then obviously at Man City, but also as well in a national squad perspective. So an unbelievable knowledge of the women's game. And then you've got Malky, Malky Thompson, who's our head coach as well, who has a undeniable energy and enthusiasm and a passion to make people the best that they can, but has predominantly worked in the men's game. Um, so sorry, sorry, I was I was going to just ask about Malky there, but carry on, sorry, carry on. No, so he he's brought a knowledge and an experience of what being an elite professional, albeit on the male side, um, is, uh, and you know if I was, they complement each other so well in terms of a first team perspective, but what I love about Malky is. He'll take the girls. He coaches the girls. Like we've all been out coaching the girls, Brilliant. and it's a real skill within itself. And anyone that you speak to about Malky, to be able to work with top elite players, male and female, but then to be able to go and capture the imagination of a nine-year-old girl Brilliant. is just such a unique skill set. Not everyone could do it. You know, you can see coaches that uh, aren't able to do that, but he does it. Sometimes I'm even captivated by him when I see him coaching the kids. He just becomes this animated character. But yeah. when he goes in with the women's first team, he can change. And we're really fortunate to, um, to have that balance of Kevin and Malky in at the first team. But we're also really fortunate that they've brought an energy, a passion and an enthusiasm for the Girls Academy as well, which is amazing. 
So is that key then? I was going to come on to the academy, but you've just brought me lovely that today. We'll go back to Malky. I want to hear more about him. But is that key then that there's that there's a pathway for the girls now into the women's setup? And I wanted to talk a bit about uh, the younger age groups playing, um, the way they do and what their setup is. So from the younger ages they play in the, the in the boys' leagues at the moment, is is that correct? Will you continue to do that, Amy, going forward? Yeah, I think we're in this kind of really interesting transition within women's football and the reason that we put the girls into boys football is because the structure felt a bit better um, and it felt a bit more consistent for the girls because many a time um, in my experience when clubs, you know, maybe clubs that have got recreational players have to go and play a, a Rangers or a Celtic or a Glasgow City or whatever, they would cancel the game. And that would often leave gaps and fixtures uh, a lot of the time. And you train to play, so as kids you just want to play. Um, so that's really good for us. But also, just in terms of the girls, girls are really technical players, as you know. Like the, the uh, technically, I would say that sometimes the girls are a bit more astute in that in terms of their, their technique, whereas the boys are so quick um, so it allows it, it pushes the girls in a kind of mental capacity to be able to yeah. play quicker which is so important because the speed of the women's game now uh, from when I played I probably look geriatric well I'm geriatric <laughs> now but it's such an important skill set for them um, and in Scotland when you look at Scotland like we're quite a small nation Mm -hmm. uh, so when you go and play against players, female players like Germany and things, and you come up against this big six foot three player, that's a rarity in Scotland to see that. But if we can get the girls exposed to that, playing against boys, and that consistency a game, and also for us, they might get beat six now. But then I've seen them develop and they've maybe been beat 3-0 and then they'll go and draw 1-1 or 2-2. So they get that full, that it's a full, a holistic approach playing against the boys. Whereas because of where the girls' games are in Scotland, sometimes they could go a full season and win 12 now, And that's not the girls' fault. No. I mean, you can only play what's in front of you, can't you? And mm -hmm. I have experience for the both sides. My daughter was in the Glasgow City Academy and played fully girls. And you knew they would get games against Celtic, and and but sometimes on the Sunday or the Saturday morning, you know, you would get some team calling off, and they planned how to play on the Saturday, and then there'd be no game. Mm -hmm. So that was a big thing for me for for moving my daughter to Rangers because they played in the Paisley Johnston League. There was mm -hmm. fixtures at seven asides, then nine asides, then eleven asides every week that you knew were on. Uh, well, mm -hmm. if the weather well dictated, what yeah. I loved watching my daughter play was. They was, they get, the boys would almost like snigger at the first time they seen them. The girls would then bump it about them, score a goal and go one up, one nil up, and there'll be a collective sigh from the boys and the parents going, Oh my god, they can play football. Now that's just mm -hmm. the this is three or four years ago, Amy, so things have changed. They know the girls can play football now. But mm -hmm. that was brilliant. As a parent, as a girl that loved football, we used to like as dads and mums at the okay. side be dead proud of that. That wee thirty seconds of realisation, they went, Oh my god, we're in a game here. Mm -hmm. And it's really a testament to the coaches because sometimes they did take a bit of a beat and they tried to maybe move up tiers sometimes, you know, if they were doing well mm -hmm. on their own tier. And you would just get a couple of boys who could put it in the top corner from from the yeah. halfway line, you know. But how mm -hmm. important is it to, for them to 
keep to the game plan and, and keep trying to improve. It's huge now because you see down south and the FA, they've actually made it so that girls can uh, play in boys' leagues as well. So it's standard right. practice and in main countries like Germany and things, like you can play a top, you know, an international girl can play all the way up to under-19s in boys' oh, football, right. albeit, like you're saying, at an appropriate level, you know, so at a level where it's maybe, a, you know, an amateur team that's in the second division, but it's not the top division because that's, that, it just doesn't work. And it, one, it doesn't work for the player and two, it doesn't work for the club and it becomes difficult then for everyone to manage. And I think that that's, that's where it becomes really difficult for us because I know that you've not experienced it yet, but there's this window and you you can see it in the girls that they'll compete and compete, but then almost post Christmas, about when they're in their last year, so they're fourteen and a half, but the boys are fourteen and a half. Under fifteen, sort of, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's six months too far for them. A hundred percent is six months too far for them because of the physical development of the boys. There's just no way that they can compete uh, with them, and at that point, it becomes really difficult to be able to balance off. And then for us, something else that's been probably quite difficult is that expectation that because you're playing boys, that you can then go and beat you should or you should beat every girls team that you play against. And it's yeah. not is <laughs> there's again there's no equation to it. So it becomes really difficult because you you need to find a way. I would hope that in Scotland in maybe kind of two, three, four years that there'll be more elite clubs. Uh, that are elite that offer girls every aspect of training in terms of gym, uh, their sports science program, a more holistic education program that allows them to compete at a level where you know that you're going into a game and it'll be a tough game. There won't be any kind of 12 nils or 13 nils or whatever it is. Uh, that'll be closer each week, but we're not quite there yet. So obviously the National Performance League is set up and it really does well and I've kind of been looking at the results for the 15s, 17s, 19s for all of Scotland and for me that seems to be happening naturally in there. Am I right in saying that? The natural performance levels are getting higher and everyone's kind of bunching up a bit in there? Yeah, because when it, as soon as it moves out of regions and you get clubs, and albeit some clubs, and again, it's difficult because you're in a national performance league. One year tends to be what happens, and we see it a lot in the girls and women's game that players will then leave a team and maybe go to a, a team that they view better, which leaves it really difficult for that club that they've left to compete in a national performance league when they start losing their better players. Um, but by opening it up nationally and opening it up to clubs like Aberdeen who and Forfa, who have kind of got a core group, like because of where the girls stay, like they'll be able to get the best players from the best place. Whereas if you look at like Glasgow, we're quite saturated because we've got Glasgow City Rangers, Celtic, Edinburgh is the same because they've got Hibs, Hearts, Borough, Muir, all within Spartans, quite a yeah, tight yeah. Spartans within a really tight radius to each other. So by opening it up nationally, and that was a hope, it would bring that that closer together. By bringing it closer together, it doesn't mean that we, we still need to take a another huge step forward in how we professionalise that and how we we bridge the gap and that's something we've became really aware of because our first team has went through this monumental change to full time 
And as they've went to full time, the levels increase, the physical fitness has increased, the, um, the understanding, the tactical awareness and everything has almost went up, you know, by 50, 75% from where we were. Which means that for a girl coming through, that jump is bigger. So therefore, we have to commit and put more resource and probably uh, in the near future, which we've, we've spoke about often is phase two is how do we how do we best do that for the academy structure? How are we going to be able to develop the players to ensure that we've got this stream coming through from our girls academy, which is going to be important for us? So uh, that was my next question. So obviously you've you've made that monumental step to professional setup uh, for the for the first team, and we'll come back to that. But in terms of the academy, um, the boys have got the pro youth set up with the the schools, uh, Beauclair, and you know, and, and and things like that. Do you see the girls having something like that within the next maybe five, maybe ten years? Uh... I don't know, you're asking hard questions. I think it's really difficult because <laughs> I know it's hard and I'll try and contextualise it as best as I can. Do I see that in the future? Yes. Are we ready for it now? No. And the reason for that is quite simple because girls are really educationally focused and I know that you've got a daughter so you'll maybe understand, not that any parent won't understand what I'm about to say, but to take a girl out of her school and put her in a football only school at like 12, 13, 14 when they're going through such a significant change and you're taking them out from their peer group and putting them into a football programme, which you would probably need, say on average, you need 12 players at the same level to come from all over the place, is such a huge ask. And girls, and women, as much as the game has grown so much, we would still advise the girls to really focus on having a career alongside that. So their education becomes really, really important for them. Not that it's not important for boys. No, I get you what you're they, saying, yeah. They could go and get a professional contract and earn, if they're lucky, let's say they can earn six, seven thousand pounds a month. Girls and women's football came a long way, but it's not there yet. So trying to kind of balance all of this off, if you're taking a young girl out of schools, and the real experience from that is came from the performance schools, because there's been girls in the performance schools that have been in for first and second year, and it's went really well for them. And then it gets to third and fourth year, and it becomes a really different kettle of fish, and they begin to drop out from that. I really want to go back to the first year. I could talk to you about your football all day and, 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 and I, I'm sure you would let me for a certain amount of time as well. But the last kind of question on that is the kind of, you've just hit the nail on the head for me in terms of the kind of drop off in girls between kind of 13 to 16. Like my daughter has kind of been lost to the game now. No fault of anyone. Just the fact that none of her friends play football. So she's, mm -hmm. when I was younger and I was her age, every, we went to school, we went to football. We played football on the weekends and everyone in my peer group done that. Mm -hmm. With my daughter, it's just herself that plays football. So she was in, um, she went to the Grange and stuff like that for the football and she was Rangers and she was with her school. But she felt as if she was missing out. Do you do stuff at Rangers to address that problem? Uh, sort of awareness session? Yeah, we started talking about it and I think um, we try and talk about it more and more. And I think that we are, I would love to be able to get to, uh, which will sound probably really cheesy and quite kind of um, I think it's okay to not want to be an elite player within football 
And I think that for a lot of girls in this country, uh, and I'm not going to, like, you know, if your daughter still wanted to play one train once a week and go and play on a Saturday, that would mm-hmm. I would be really happy with that because she's still involved in football. Yeah. But the fact that um, at a lot of these academies that you've mentioned, whether it be Rangers or Celtic or um, Glasgow City or whoever, you need to train two, three nights a week. You need to try and keep up with all your schoolwork. You've got regional squads on top of that, which is a fourth night a week. That's not going to be for everyone. And it's about being able to be okay. Because at the end of the day, you just want your daughter to be happy. You want her to do sport and participate and work to be active. And if she wanted to do that in a recreational thing, it's about being able to be proud of that as well. That you should be proud of your kid, no matter what level they play at, for being active and for all the skills that sports give them. But I think that we don't celebrate enough. Like for us, we love to go and play five-a-sides. You know, if your daughter wanted to go and play five-a-sides, I would love that because she's still playing football. Yeah. Albeit at a level where it fits in with her lifestyle. But we're still at this point where it's all or nothing. It's like you're either all of it or none of it. You're, you're spot on that. Ella went back to sort of the local club with Thorn Athletic in Johnston and they started the girls section and they won 9-0 and she scored eight of the goals and she quickly got bored of that and it, you're right, it's either you're in a, a, an academy where you're full on, you know, almost like pro-youth, you know, almost like that, if not more more intensive with the regionals and then you're dropping down to maybe get a kick about in a park with your friends so it'd be great. Like, like if the boys, if they get released from Rangers, they will go to a top boys club if not another professional team and I feel that's kind of maybe a gap and it's brilliant that you've recognised that and then hopefully can bridge that gap in the, in the near future. Now part of the academy stuff again I could talk to you all day but we'll, we'll move back to the, the stuff that people uh, will want to hear about as well is um, obviously you made this monumental shift, shift from uh, to professional status now and the club's um, seems to be going great guns on the park albeit um, been interrupted recently but how, how, how was that a was the step a necessity with the rest of the clubs round about you? You know, with Glasgow City and then Celtic taking the step, did you kind of have to do it? No. I think um, the only reason that we've done it, and uh, this is the God's honest truth, <laughs> is because uh, Dave King. And not because of anything other than that he believed it was the right thing to do. Which is 100% the right reason to of do course, it. Of course, of um, course. Uh, and if it wasn't for him and it was after the World Cup uh, it was him that instigated this and albeit in a whirlwind 18 months from there but you see him speak in so many levels about his legacy that he wanted to leave Um, and women's and girls football was part of that legacy and it's also testament to our current board and it's also testament to the football department because they've continued that um, yeah. and they've continued to be able to support us they've been absolutely amazing throughout this period which has been really difficult in so many aspects for so many clubs but it was ultimately um, it wasn't through necessity it was through Dave King 100% believing that it was the right thing to do So it uh, sounds like you saved the men's side and, and the women's side which is great and, and, and it's all just the one club now as well with the same when, I was, when Ella was there it all became part of the one department and you've really seen everyone pulling together and 
as you've seen with the men's side and with the women's side before you stopped, you know, if everyone's pulling in the one direction, the Rangers were a hard force to stop, you know, and hopefully yeah. that, that continues. Now, it must have been great to get the back in. I mean, you've, as you say, you've came from being the, the, the kit woman to the physio to the, how proud were you when, when Dave King did did say that and, and was going to back you guys? Uh, proud, scared. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, to be honest, because... Uh, it's a club that means so much to me as well. It's Rangers. It's um, and but I've been really fortunate, and not it's not a burden of expectation that's on me solely. I've got uh, Craig Mulholland's been absolutely amazing with me. Ross Wilson has been amazing with me. Uh, all the commercial department, James Busgrove, Alison Forsyth, Natalie Nairn. There's loads of people that have all bought into this, and that support, you know, has been. Uh, needed and required at times because it's yeah. it, it's been a real world uh, when Craig and I talk about it now we, we sit down and we go we've came a long way in 18 months but the Rangers mentality and mindset is that we're relentless so actually we've came a long way but every day we sit and go what's next That's how that. do we keep it up a level, how do we do this how, how are we going to drive this forward uh, looking at every kind of single scenario, so yeah, but we've came a long way in eighteen months, but we we know that we've still got so much more to go. Brilliant. So with with the lift into professional comes expectation. So you know, there's your Rangers. You're expected to win things now, and I get that you're maybe playing catch up on uh, on Glasgow City, especially. But has there been expectations from the club itself put on you guys to deliver? Absolutely, it's, and that's the thing, uh, I was talking, <laughs> I had this conversation this morning, I said to people, when you ask for a quality, you can't pick and choose what parts of it you want, so for us, we couldn't choose to get extra investment and then not have that expectation on us to win, uh, so you can't say, give us loads of more money, but we'll not take that burden of expectation, um, and for the women's team, absolutely the expectation is to win, however, there's also a recognition that is it going to be plain sailing at this point? Probably not. There's going to be bumps in the road. It would be naive of us to not think that there would be bumps in the road, whether it be on or off the pitch or whatever. Mm -hmm. But absolutely, that expectation is there. Um, but like all other aspects of the club, we just are not focused on the end result. It's process driven. Um, so it's about making sure that every process that we have in place from administration to football to scouting players to like every aspect we focus on the process and if we do the process properly we'll get the right outcome and that's it and that's what it's all about we've been prepared now, I was I was looking at the signings coming in you know when the, the professional when he's, he's announced and it was like you know like a, almost like a who's who of, of Scottish football and Nicola Dockery, Sam Kerr I could name Megan Bell from Northern Ireland who banging them in before you start. I mean, I could mention so much so much more, but that was a real signal intent from you, because you're not signing these players to to what not win anything. Amy, is that right? Yeah, we're not. We never signed them to come and, uh, you know, just kind of fly the flag for Rangers. We, <laughs> we signed them to come in and win, but I think that there's there's probably two things about that. So there's the, the main one is the professional players which is amazing for the girls because actually for so many 
um, of them, some of them like Nick Doc used to be uh, work with people with dementia as well as trying to train full time as a professional right, so. football player. So they're they're full time professional players. Brilliant. But the other side of that was it's not all about money and women's football. So I'll caveat that by saying it's probably getting that way, but it's not all about money. And it was really important as a club that we balanced off by making sure one they had comfortable lives. It's not like it's not anywhere near what some male footballers, but but they've got a a wage and an income that's suitable and that they'll be able to live and be comfortable being a professional football player. But the other side of that was the infrastructure, mm-hmm. um, and being treated like a professional player. So not having to wash your own kit, not having to kind of. Um, you know, make your own lunches and stuff, being able to eat at the training centre, being able to have analysis uh, clipped by an analyst, uh, being able to have your own individual sports science programme, access to top quality facilities in terms of physios and rehab. And it's that amalgamation of everything that uh, attracted the players because the players just want to be professional football players. I think we've seen in the past, like Rangers, the name will carry and it will get interest from players, of course it will, but to keep a hold of them, you know, you need to make sure that everything's in place and it sounds like you, you guys are well down the road. Now, I want to spend a bit of time talking about, you know, an exciting, the gateways are back training, which is fantastic. Yeah. In the last couple of weeks, is that, Amy, the last couple of weeks you've been back? Yeah. Yeah, since last week, hey, this week's our second week and the sun's came out for us, so we're delighted about that. <laughs> Don't get used to that. That doesn't happen up in the Hummel training centre. That's a definite. Hey, sorry, the training centre. There you go. I'm saying the only. I've got Martin to edit that. But up at the training centre. Um, so y- your games are restarting on April the fourth. Uh, I suppose that's the focus then for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we've got a couple of friendly scheduled in, okay. so um, we'll play play the games. It's really really difficult. It's an unknown circumstance, um, and I have to say I'm really thankful I'm not a sports scientist because when you try and plan for having almost three months off and uh, as much as the girls were doing running programs or like they were doing their own training and trying to keep themselves fit um, to go back to doing repetitive action of kicking and different things, things that you take for granted as a football player because when you've always done it, it's like, um, and we've got three weeks now to prepare for that and in my head, uh, everyone keeps talking to me about the first seven games but they're done, they're gone. It seems a long time ago. It's in the past. Um, so it's new and uh, mentally, I think, psychologically, it's going to be really important as to how like people come back from that. The girls are really focused just now, but I guess that lockdown in society is like currently has been really impacted by everything that we've been going through. And, um, we just need to do everything that we can to make sure that they go on the pitch in the best condition that they can. No, that's it. I know that's all you can do. Uh, I'm, I'd imagine their spirits would have been lifted when they announced they could get back, and I can imagine how good training's been the last ten days, flying, and you know, and they'll be dying to get on that pitch again. Now, yeah, I've even cracked a smile. A couple. Oh, my goodness, my God, it must be Friday then. <laughs> it must be Friday. Now, the, 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 Malky Thompson's obviously uh, first team manager at the moment. And, supported by a few others as you said he's really he's been about the professional game forever you know and he's been mm-hmm. assistant to barry ferguson and you know my favorite player i'll let him name drop him in there so i mean 
he must be so excited to take this group of players forward, you know, and, and obviously Gregory Vignard started that Malky's come in. Mm-hmm. His buzz about the place must be great for the for the for the for the for the women. I don't think I've ever quite uh, have you met Malky? Have you met him? I've I've seen him from afar, I've never met him personally. Yeah, he's a really unique character and you can tell why he's been about um Barry Ferguson, Alex McLeish, like the managers that he's worked with uh, and alongside and when 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 you speak to him and you're about him, like really, really knowledgeable. Uh, but just a really good guy. Um and I remember when uh, he first came on, he told me that he um he had he's got three nieces and unfortunately their mum passed away and All right. he just said I want to do so well for the women's game. I want right. to do so well for the girls because I want to be able to show that, you know, regardless of whether you're male or female, that you that you have ability and and he's really came on this like journey for himself. I remember he's like one of his first training sessions he shouted to one of the girls man on and then he turned to me <laughs> and went can I say that? Is that is that all right? You know, see, what I mean? honestly, mate, and coming from watching <laughs> girls football, women's football, you used to shout that sometimes. We, we shout that. It's just yeah. like normal, but for him, he was like, "Can I actually? Can I say that?" But he's, you know, he's came full circle because for him, which is amazing, they're just football players, and that's Brilliant. the mentality that he treats everyone with. They are football players, male, Brilliant. female, whatever. They're a football player and he'll treat them like that. But more importantly, they're a human and he also treats them like that. And that's what makes him really special and unique. And he's a, he's brought great energy and enthusiasm. Um, I speak to him all the time. He counsels me, I counsel him. Um, and and on, he's been the best. He's just, if you win, you're having a bad day, he'll make you smile. And that, that's a... Uh, yeah. 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 No, it, you can tell, like you can tell when he's interviews and stuff, like how infectious he is. You know, you could, you can, a guy that you'd, you'd love to be around, and that for me will permeate right through the team, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, I know what you're already going to say to this, um, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and you're going to say, "Oh, one game at a time," and blah blah blah. But you've had a great start. There's no denying that. You can't take away your joint top of the league six wins out of seven. I think it is um, one defeat there. Glasgow City 5-0 in your last game who have won the league for the last 13 years how confident are you we're going to have a men and women's double this season <laughs> um, not confident I would say <laughs> um, I believe in the coaching staff I believe in the players I believe in everyone wholeheartedly but I also recognise Glasgow City went out and have signed six new players Celtic mm. have signed four new players um, and again, how other teams will come back because there was a, I think, um, if you look back in the results last year, Forfar beat Celtic, yeah, Hearts beat Hibs, one <laughs> 0 So I, I just think that when we approach it, you can never ever take anything for granted. And like uh, we've experienced, and um, I have to say that uh, the men's team have been amazing with us as well. Um, oh, good. Gerard uh, came on and done. Stephen came on and done a a, a zoom with the women's first team because oh, yeah. they've got so much experience now playing against a low block, 
And from a fan's point of view, it's really, really difficult to understand sometimes how hard it is to be able to break mm. that down yeah. and to create the opportunities. Um, and Malky had spoke to Stephen about that and he said, oh, come on, I'll speak to the girls. Brilliant. And they thought it was only going to be 15, 20 minutes, but it was an hour. Uh, his time, which is amazing. And I think that's that always sticks in my mind. Um, and it's about... I think the expectation, even internally, to start off with, for a lot of people, not for me, but was that, again, you're going to go out and win all these games. And I think even in the men's side, you should be winning five, six, seven now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, as long as you win. <laughs> if oh, it's it doesn't matter. Nil, two, one, whatever. Um, and that's why we need to approach it with caution. So you'll not hear any of us say, we're absolutely 100% going to win because every game that we go and play, we've got 14 games. It's, it, it, it's 14 games for all the teams to give their all and represent them stuff well with the added incentive that uh, you get the Champions League at the end of it. So I don't think we can take any game for granted. It must be brought for your name, Amy, the journey you've been on coming from... The Raiders were always a, a decent side, you know, and, um, I'm not saying they were in the lower half of the tables, but they... No, we were always mid. Mid-table, <laughs> mid... I was going to say kind of 64th there, I was trying to finish second one year, I, I remember. <laughs> but for you to say the words Champions League and Rangers women in the same sense, that must excite you. Amazing. It would be amazing. Uh, I've already said, like, regardless of what I achieve, I think that if I could get a game at Ibrox, whether it be in the Women's Champions League or begin to look at, like, capacity and being a women's game or whatever, like, that would be my my aim and my aspiration. But I'm also, like, it's dependent on so many things. And of course. I think that that's the thing, like, uh, and it was... I don't know if you've seen Stephen Gerrard's interview the other day there, and they said football's about dreams. Yeah. And it should always be about dreams, and that's certainly a dream for us in the programme. And the unique thing just now is that there's a collective understanding and there's a group of people that have got a collective dream. Oh, yeah. um, so we need to just keep focusing on the process and hopefully we'll get we'll get the results for that. He's on that journey anyway. Now, if it's this season or the next season or the season after, he's on that journey now, which you probably couldn't have said this time two years, three years ago. So it's it's great to see from from an outsider looking in as a supporter. So uh, as I say, I can't wait to to see him from my little girls, you know, as well, who can now, if they, she wants to get her finger back out and go back to football, she's now got a chance to play professional football. And my younger girl as well, who kind of kicks a ball about, that's what it is for me. My son can dream playing for Rangers, so can my girl that's professional now. And for a, mm-hmm. a father of daughters who loves football, that's massive. You know, it's massive. Mm-hmm. And there's been millions, hundreds of thousands of us around the country, and I'm sure everyone feels the same. So thanks to you and, and the rest of the people for, for delivering that for, for, for fathers like myself. So I appreciate that. But as I said, maybe I'll be back at gymnastics more than football nowadays. But, you know, a man can dream, <laughs> as you say. But um, I just I want to finish off soon. Thank you so much for your time so far. But... If last few years you were kind of moving about home venues and you were end up at Tinto Park at Benbur, but obviously you're based up at the training centre now for your games. How big is that for your success going forward? Hopefully, it's amazing. But you know, um, I don't know if you've ever been down to uh, New Tinto, and uh, it's Frank and me that run it. Yeah, well, um, my daughter trained there uh, during the weekend stuff. Yeah, 
they, uh, you know, people like them, they're rare in football. They are like mm. good, good people, and they were a, they were a huge support oh, to me throughout my time when I was I was there, and I'll be forever indebted to them because they always went out of their way to help us. Uh, real special people down there, and yeah. uh, I still keep in touch with them. Um, but to be at the training centre, and to be honest, just like it was the other day there, I went to my work. I went to work at the training centre. The sun was shining. The grass patches. If you can't play in them, you just actually can't play at all. Put your boots um, away, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and it's a it's a dream, and we know that we're in a privileged position, and we know that we get to represent a club that so many people all around the world would love to be able to work uh, for or be a part of and are a huge supporter of. So, but there's something special about the fact when you drive up to the big blue gates at the training centre and uh, you go into your work and the energy and enthusiasm and professionalism that, that's about it. But to be part of it is really special. Yeah, I can, I can only speak for everyone that does have that same dream and, and a bit of jealousy there. That you know, it, it must be, it must be brilliant. And it's, it's not for it. It's your hard work that's got got you there, and the rest of the, the rest of the staff. So you deserve every every moment of success that's that's coming your way. Fingers crossed. Now, my last question, Amy. Uh, five years time, where do you see Rangers women? I don't know. Uh, it's a really that's a probably a really complicated question because if you would have asked me five years ago if I would have been here, I would have said no. Um, and with the growth of women's football alone, uh, not to mention women's sport, it's hard to know. It, 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 the glass it almost feels like the glass ceiling's been smashed, and we need to kind of hit that and then plateau for a bit. Whereas just now it just seems to be going up and up and up and up and clubs are putting in so much money and uh, the expectation, like, you know, PSG two or three years ago were putting 11 million into their women's programme. That's probably grown now. Um, where do I want us to be? I want us to be winning the league. I want us to be competing in Champions League. I want us to be recognised and have a history ourselves within the women's programme uh, to create history. Um, but just one day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. One game at a time. Use football managers are dead boring with your answer sometimes. <laughs> but listen, thank you so much for for joining us today, mate. Amy, it's been a, a great insight to what's going on and everyone the Rangers rabble and the wider support. Wish you so much luck in, in this season and the season forward. So thanks very much, Amy. Cheers. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.